Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm Katie. And this is I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. A horror movie podcast. So we're going to talk about the movies, movie slash movies, Carrie. Um, Whether or not it qualifies as a franchise, we'll dive into that. Um, But as our inaugural recording tonight, I had suggested that we choose um, these movies to discuss because this was the first movie that Meredith and I ever saw together in the theater when we didn't know each other very well at all. And some group had like emailed a bunch of people on like a Facebook group and let's all go see... I should, I guess I should remark that it was the remake and not the original. We're not old enough to have seen the original in the theater. I was not alive yet, but no, we don't have I. to get into that. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> so the 2013 remake of Carrie, uh, we went to see in the theater and it was supposed to be a group and it turned out to be just uh, me and Meredith. And she's very was quiet. You, I, I feel like, no, I think there was a few other, like Megan. Megan, like, maybe. Also. She's not as, I don't know. I feel like I started, okay, honestly, when you told me your reason for wanting to do this, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. So I watched the movie and then I forgot like why we were doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, there probably were other people there at some point, but I, I have a very clear memory of, you know, we sat down and we were expecting other people. So we sat with like two seats in between us. And it was yeah, like, I didn't sit next to you. I mean, no, I don't know you. We didn't so. know each other. And I was like <laughs> just sitting there in silence watching like the trivia up on the screen, like waiting for other people to show up. <laughs> I think we're like in book club. Yeah. And I like, you know, obviously I love horror movies and you do too. And we found that we both liked it. Uh, so we were like, you know, obviously we need to be friends and talk about this. And then we're like, wait, being friends is hard. We're adults now. (laughs) I know. How awkward can we be about this? (laughs) Two seats away from each other and not (laughs) speak. Try not to look at each other in the eye. (laughs) I know. And then, you know, it goes from that. Then we're in a movie or we're watching a scary movie at Julie's house and you're jumping in my lap. Yeah. That's not a story for today. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the closeness has evolved over time. Obviously. The horror movie intimacy. Okay, so you would like, you nominated Carrie to be... Or- I did. I thought that that should be the first one for no other reason than it was, I knew it was the first one that we had seen together. And so um, I had not seen it since we saw it in the theater when it came out in 2013. So that's uh, eight, eight years ago. Forever ago. A long time A long ago. Time. Um, and so I did rewatch it and the original and reread the book, um, because this is like a, a combination of multiple of my favorite things, which is adaptations of books to movies and remakes of movies. And like, I just really love diving into, um, the changes that people make artistically and what they might've been motivated to, to do certain things. Um, and I just think that that's, that's really interesting. And so this is a good example of, you know, a book to a movie, to a remake where there's some really dramatic differences between them. Um, and they were all, you know, relatively successful, but they're also like really different in a lot of ways. Are they, I don't know, like I read the book, I don't even know. I think in middle school. As, as I a school the movie. child. <laughs> I was, it was way, I mean, I shouldn't have, honestly. <laughs> and no. I forgot a lot that happened. But would you say it's like, I don't know, a franchise if it's like, they're kind of a different animal for each, each adaptation Generation. kind of feels like really different. Yeah, that's interesting, especially because so much of horror movies now, like just in, let's say since the 2000s, when they are a franchise, there's so much continuity in the directors and the performers and the style. Um, like, you know, if you take something like Saw or you take the, you know, the, the Conjuring universe or um, the Insidious movies, like all of those, there's a really strong continuity from from one thing to the next. And so you would definitely call that a franchise. But something like this, where there's huge gaps in time between, you know, one version to the next and no correlation between the performers or the directors or anything like that, but it's still the same story and they're all related. 
that if it qualifies as a franchise or not, it depends on your definition, I guess. Yeah. So like a completely different recipe. Yeah. For I think we, need, we need a different word. So I don't know. We'll have to work on that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely workshop a different word for that. For when we make like movies. A, you call <laughs> it a, like a unit, like people with the, um, with the conjuring movies, they call it a universe. Like they, like they talk about the Marvel universe because it, there's like the offshoot movies that aren't, it's a, there's conjuring one, two, and three, but then there's the Annabelle movies and then there's, you know, the nun and then the, um, La Llorona was like technically in that universe, but like barely, very, very tangentially related. And so that, that term I think fits that type of movie, but, um, you know, is a franchise, something that's just a series of sequels, like Friday the 13th or something. So, I mean, trying to pick up a story and give your own twist as a creator, maybe. Yeah. That's where they went. Yeah. All right. So... Let's talk about... Should we talk about the original or the remake first? I guess we want to start with the OG, right? OG, 1970s. I mean, that's respect, you know. Okay. So, Sissy Spacek, that's the only person I can think of, of yeah. note in that, but I could be really yeah, wrong. Um, Piper, I can't remember her last name, was the, the actress that played Margaret White and John Travolta. <gasps> How did I even forget that? Oh yeah. my gosh. Sorry. I apologize. I don't want to yeah. get a nasty note from our four listeners that I, yeah. I forgot about John Travolta. <laughs> and I also I thought it was really interesting, like as I was rewatching the original and, and looking at like familiar faces and everything. So PJ Souls is in it. Um, so she's, you know, one oh. of the classmates, just one of the team of girls in the high school. Is she and in the Halloween yes, universe? Yes, she's she's in the original Halloween. Gosh. Um then uh, I, there was one woman that looked very familiar to me. So I looked her up, Priscilla Pointer. She is um, Mrs. Snell, who is the mother of one of the high school girls in the original. She played the doctor in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 in the psychiatric hospital. It's all coming it's all. together. Yes. <laughs> and then the last one, Edie McClurg, the receptionist from Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Yes. Is yes. one of the high school girls. In the original Carrie. I remember. She basically looks like the same person. Exactly the same. Exactly. Except like, just like wearing short, like yeah, gym wearing shorts. Gym clothes. Okay. That's the only difference. Now I remember. Okay. Yeah. So great cast for that one. Man. Yeah. I really should have like IMDB. Good job on your homework. I did uh, not thank you. do that. <laughs> and then the other thing that always, I always forget. And it always shocks me when I watch the opening credits of the original is that Brian De Palma directed it. Oh, right. That's kind of out of left field. You're like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, And so I don't know. You can kind of um, draw some conclusions about, you know, because it's a a female centered story. All the main characters are female. The story and the struggle is really centered around a female experience. And Brian De Palma doesn't really ring out in the annals of like a real woman's I don't know. I don't know. Someone that would really Struggle. speak a, a woman's story very well between like Scarface and the untouchables. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, teenage adolescence, like for a woman, like, I don't think he can speak to that ex- no. experience. I, but, you I, know. He doesn't seem to me to be someone who would really try, you know, like no. really put himself out there to try and, and, and get in that mind space and produce something that, that captured what the experience really was. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk about OG Carrie. Mm-hmm. 1976. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well. So did you think it was scary? How old were you when you first saw it? Like around? I, okay. I saw it on television in, I think I must have been in middle school, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like flipping the channel, like it was one of those dials. Yeah. <laughs> it was chukung. like channel 21. And there's this girl and she she's like, Sissy Spacek popped up. And I I recognized her from Coal Miner's Daughter because I loved, I loved that movie. Oh, okay. And so I was like, oh, she's in that movie. What's this movie? And so I started watching it. <laughs> Not like, scary. Not <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't feel scared. 
like per se from her powers, I felt scared of going through puberty more. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I was, I was like, this is awful. And I felt bad. And I feel like I just more wanted her to get her revenge on everybody. Honestly, I was just like glad. I was like, good. Those bullies are really, you know, jerks. They had it coming. <laughs> they had it coming. And then... I don't know. I felt maybe some of the same feelings as an adult rewatching. I'm like, God, those those bullies can suck it. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely yeah. like that the the iconic shower scene, I guess, you know, they it's it's really intense in the original. You know, definitely. They, it's not um because in the remake they they tried to be a little more PG with the you know, exposure, the nudity, and that's also like the 70s versus the 2010s and, you know, what what an actress wants to show and what the what the directors want to show. But in the original, that that willingness to be like just unattractive nudity of somebody, you know, in that physical situation and like flailing and falling all around the shower stall and not trying to hide anything, it made it very intense. I didn't even see the nudity on of course, because I was watching it on television. So like all of that was kind of cut out. But yeah, then, it's hard to imagine that scene edited sufficiently for television because it's not they they don't try to hide it in the original. No, not at all. I don't know. I remember being I remember the shower scene, but I don't remember what I like saw or didn't see. But obviously they wouldn't show like full on naked sissy's basic yeah. <laughs> in the shower. Hopefully, so, not on. Not I would. On, I don't. Okay, <laughs> I would say not scared, intrigued. Mm -hmm. I was intrigued by it. Yeah. What would you say? Were you scared? Um, you know, I honestly have no idea how old I was the first time I saw the original. I don't. I don't think. I know I read the book when I was young. I don't think that I saw the movie until years later. Um, and no, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't call it scary in what, you know, our like kind of current perception of a scary movie really is because, you know, that was at a time when it, you, they were relying more on, on your, your thought and your critique and your being invested in the human experience rather than just, you know, jumping and screaming. And so the kind of like the definition of scary has changed so much since, you know, the first movie was made compared to what they're making now and, and the remake. So I wouldn't I wouldn't call it like a movie that would really, you know, scare you, whether you were a little kid or an adult. Um, but I was um, when I was rewatching him and I was kind of thinking about like what what the idea would be was what would you be if you were going to be scared of something what are you supposed to be scared of mm -hmm. and it's like you know are you supposed to be scared of Carrie are you supposed to be scared of her mother because her mother's character is is terrifying like that you know the idea of growing up with a parent like that is way scarier to me than you know getting picked on at school um or the another question are you supposed to be scared of high school because it's a freaking nightmare yeah i i just i don't know like i really felt for her yeah for the character so she was just somebody i felt really just empathized with yeah and uh you know because i was bullied as well like when i was younger and i don't know it's just she just seemed like a really what is that word when you like really feel bad for a character, but then they have like so many issues and um, I can't remember the word. Not empathy. <laughs> no, no. It's like, uh, it's a word that you describe when you feel for a character, but then they also are maybe the, you know, the bad guy. The villain. <laughs> yeah. Kind of yeah. how I feel about like, Tony Soprano. I'm like, I love him and I want him to get away with things, but I also know he's a terrible person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's but the mom they, was, I mean, she's very, yeah. Horrible. That I would say actually Obviously, like, yeah. that's the one moment in the original movie that I, I would describe as actually really frightening in the moment um, is when, Carrie uh, when she comes home from the prom because that that's a difference between the book and both movies um is in both movies for some reason they had her come home and bathe after the prom 
And that doesn't happen in the book at all. She doesn't take a bath. Um, and so that was an interesting choice on a film standpoint. I don't know if it was an opportunity to get the actresses naked or why well, they what would. happened in the refresh my memory. What happens in the uh, book? She after. she just goes straight home and confronts her mother. Oh, okay. OK, but in in both movies, she comes into the house and she's calling for her mom and doesn't find her. And so then she bathes and then uh -huh. the confrontation with her mother happens afterward after she's cleaned up. Mm -hmm. So but in the original when so when she she comes into the house and she's in her prom dress and she's drenched in blood and she's calling for her mother and she you know, she's not hearing, not finding her anywhere. And her her bedroom was on the upper level of the house. And so she's going, she's kind of like crawling up the stairs, like almost on half on all fours, like a little bit and dragging herself, you know, into the room and the, to take the bath. And you don't notice it at first, but as the the shot continues and you're watching her come, you know, to the top of the stairs and going around, you realize that her mother is standing in the shadows behind the open door of her bedroom, just mm -hmm. completely motionless. Mm -hmm. And so you don't even realize she's there at first. And then you do realize she's there and she's just standing there silent and not moving. And Carrie does not realize she's there. And she goes right past her and goes in and takes her shower. And so that scene where, you know, she's there and you, you don't know what she's going to do and she's not moving and Carrie doesn't know that she's there like that, you know, 10 or 15 seconds or whatever, I think is a really frightening moment. Um, just like in the moment, because there's that tension of not knowing what's going to happen. So I would say that, that that's a pretty scary part of the original movie. Yeah, I think that kind of reminded me a little bit of like, just to touch on really quickly, hereditary, like the mm -hmm. mom, that that character kind of just being like in the shadows or like when she was full on lost her mind or whatever. Yeah. And then you're you just like see her kind of because that's scary and we know that her mother is just so just toxic. Yeah. And also it shows like her, like everything she says to Carrie, you know, she's just trying to live her life and have kind of a semi-normal existence that she's just like not safe anywhere that she is. Yeah. Not at school, not at home. Like she can't even relax a little bit. And so that's why I feel like so bad that you know, she's dealing with this and you kind of don't blame her no. for snapping, honestly, yeah. you know, and in and the end. It was justified. Yeah. The only thing that, you know, it's another thing that varies a little bit between the book and the the multiple movies is the the role of the gym teacher. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she, it's funny. Her name is Miss Desjardins in the book and the mm -hmm. remake, but in the a 70, 1976 movie, they randomly, let me pull it, they, they changed her name for no reason at all to, uh, what, what did they call her? Miss um, Collins. They were like, yes. she's, we're, we're just going to give her a completely different name for no reason at all. Um, but she's someone where, it, you know, she kind of continuously is trying to help Carrie and support her and run interference for her because she knows how the other kids are treating her and kind of stand up for her. But, um, it, and this is something they kind of whitewashed out of the remake, but it's, it's really dominant in the book and a little bit presented in the original that the gym teacher is kind of struggling with an internal, like kind of disgust for Carrie too. Like she's frustrated and disgusted with this kid that it's like, you know, just you know, get over it or just deal with it. Or why don't you just try a little harder and then they won't pick on you. Like she has kind of an internal issue with Carrie that she doesn't articulate and she doesn't act on, but it's there. And so, you know, there's a question of Carrie's ability to kind of like pick up on that or whatever. But um, she does lash out at the gym teacher in both occasions. And, and it doesn't really make sense because it's justified for her to want to punish all of those students. But the gym teacher character is kind of like held up as her one ally. And yet she's attacking her too. But that's what that, it was interesting in the remake because initially she, um, you know, Carrie reaches out and, and she's, you know, like she's kind of holding her up by her throat. So Miss mm -hmm. Desjardins is like kind of being choked and everything. But then you realize that it's because Carrie intends to electrify the water that she's standing in. And then she like throws her behind. So she's essentially saving her. And so there's like kind of a mixed message there. 
Yeah, you're like, oh, no. Oh, that's great. It's like, yeah, like, why are you hurting her? Oh, no, you're saving her. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I would say that also, I don't know, that like her mother, I don't sympathize for with at all. And I don't feel any kind of feelings no. like, I don't know. She just which seemed like a terrifying monster person. Yeah. And... And the, they, they do talk, they tell a little bit of her personal history before she was married. Um, but nothing that would make you more sympathetic to her. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really, as, as amazing as a character it is, it is kind of one dimensional and that there, there's no depth. There's no, well, she's good and bad. It's like, no, she's just bad. Mm-hmm. But that's why I thought it was really interesting with the, the remake, because I felt like, Julianne Moore's performance in the remake as Mama was so amazing. I felt like it was, you know, far and away the best performance in the movie. Um, but it was also a slightly different take on that character. Like, cause there's a point in the remake where Mama tells Carrie she loves her. And it's like, that is completely out of character for that person in, in any of the iterations of the character before for like her to say something loving like that, like that wasn't, that wasn't the character at all. And they kind of introduced that with the Julianne Moore version. And so I feel like if any of them were going to be sympathetic, it would have been, it would have been that, that remake mama. Yeah. So, okay. So we'll, I guess we are kind of moving on for the seventies. Okay. Yeah. So do you want to talk about the remake? The I mean, remake. I didn't watch, I didn't have an opportunity to watch the Rage one from 2000, whatever. Yeah. 1999. It was 99. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 1999. Yeah. But the no, remake. No, I've never seen that one either. <laughs> when did that, the, the one we saw and we had a few spaces between us in the theater in yeah. 2013. Did that scare you and did it hold up to your expectations? And because I know you like really enjoyed the book and obviously the original. So how does it hold up in your I like in in terms of, you know, for a Stephen King movie or remake? Did it do it justice or make it better? I, I think in a couple of ways it did do it justice. I think the main way was Julianne Moore's performance. I, I feel like it kind of looked at it as like she was acting in a completely different movie than than the rest of the performers. Like the rest of the performers were kind of making a little eye roll horror movie remake. And Julianne Moore showed up being like, this is going to be my Oscar shot. Like she's just, <laughs> like, she was so, so good and so believable and tragic and intense and just really, really, I mean, performing the hell out of the character. And so I, I love the remake for that. Um, and I also think that the, um, the teenagers in the remake, it was kind of cute because it was, it, you know, it, it wasn't our high school era, like our high school experience, this whole like prom in 2013, you know, we'd been out of high school for a long time at that point, but mm-hmm. it's still, it kind of, that reminded me more of my high school experience than the 1976 version did, you know? Yeah. Even though like, okay, so we didn't shower at school after gym when I was in high school. Did you? Uh, I mean, I probably should have. I never did, though. <laughs> but, like, were there showers and people, like, used them? Uh, it was more like people who came in for their team sports and then they would do take showers and stuff. Like, at, for a gym, like, regular gym, you weren't required to, like, take a shower. And yeah. you, quite frankly, didn't have time. Like, you have, like, five minutes to get to your yeah. next class. Like, I'm yeah. not going to take a shower in front of other people, first of all. And then I didn't have time. I'd get, like... Uh, a tardy slip if I showed up late. Right. So. So that yeah. didn't really make sense to me a ton with like it being set in 2013 and here's a whole bevy of girls doing this whole lengthy post gym class shower experience, which I don't think, and maybe this is just, you know, the different parts of the country or whatever, different schools, it's, it's a different thing, but I really don't think that that's common anymore. We can ask our four listeners. Right. Did, you, did you were you forced to take a shower after gym class? Listeners, in tell high us school? Right in and tell us your your best gym gym class shower story. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe don't. I don't know. 
It's up yeah, to you, keep I it guess. To yourself. Tell it to your therapist. <laughs> um, yeah. And so the, I, I liked the, the high school take on it because it, it kind of felt familiar to me, like my high school experience. I love Julianne Moore's performance and I thought it was kind of clever how they introduced, um, an element of the technology because, you know, obviously in the original, nobody had a phone to take a video of Carrie in the shower. Yeah. But they were with the remake, they're like, well, hey, this could make things a little bit more interesting. And so having that viral video of her having this experience in the shower and then using that against her later was like a really like, you know, current day way that you would see bullying taking place, like the whole digital bullying being mm-hmm, such a problem mm-hmm. now and m- making it so much clearer how Carrie got pushed over the edge it's of like, being exposed that way. Yeah. It was like layering on bullying to the max like how can we make this like a hundred times worse you're gonna have like a thousands of people watch you be humiliated and laugh at you so it's not just like your classmates right in front of you laughing at you it's like everybody is laughing at you and you're trying to like let it roll all your off your back and while you drip from in pig's blood right and (laughs) coach uh Desjardins Desjardins yeah it's like, why do you let them get to you? And you're like, are you kidding? I mean, are you looking? Are you looking at are me? Are you right kidding now? me? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> I forgot. So I I rewatched the remake, uh, you know, because I had not seen it either since we saw it in the theater, and uh, I don't really know how I felt about it originally. I knew that I I appreciated Julianne Moore's performance because she's amazing in everything she does, right? And yeah. So. But then the rest, I was sort of like, yeah, it's fine. And so I never thought, oh, I need to revisit that. But then, mm-hmm. then I did. And I, I mean, I didn't feel like I wasted my time. I, I like I enjoyed it. Uh, if you can enjoy that kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. Like, I thought it was interesting that they added the, like, her mom having her, like, giving birth oh, yeah, to her delivery. in the beginning. Scene and how she, she was like tempted to kill her and well and then she she's act she's like oh my gosh this is cancer like I don't know if we know what this is like what's happening to me yeah. and then she had Carrie came you know was she gave birth to Carrie the baby also I took a note had no umbilical cord yeah so yeah. they you weren't know. going for realism there I guess if Carrie can levitate and electrocute people and do all this <laughs> other stuff. You have to sort of suspend your disbelief. Yeah. Gary was born with no umbilical cord. No umbilical cord. It was a real so red the, So the mystery began there yeah. with her birth. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, the story with um, the mom's story from the book is, you know, that she actually, you know, she was uh, obviously very religious and she met this man who was also very religious and that was the nature of their relationship. And in the book, she actually becomes pregnant before they're married. Um, and then after they're married, she miscarries. And so they make in their religious fervor, they make this pledge that they are going to live a celibate marriage. And so she kind of, the mama kind of half-heartedly describes that in both the movies, you get kind of an inkling, but it's not super clear. But the whole point is that, you know, she and her husband were living a completely sexless marriage. Um, And then, you know, the one night when he goes out the roadhouse and the whiskey on his breath and everything and gets drunk and, you know, they have sex and she gets pregnant with Carrie. And so it's the, the whole, again, in the, in the book, he the da- the father dies but in both movies they say he left mm-hmm. so i that's another change where i'm like i don't know why you would bother making that also change. who can blame him yeah yeah she was a handful <laughs> she was a real I mean, not gary mom mama mom. yeah and now she's pregnant can you imagine Ugh. the all hormones the and then her be like look what you did to me like uh, all day every day yeah i don't know and so i think that 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 was what uh, contributed to her um the whole denial. I don't know if it was an an actual unawareness of what pregnancy was and that she was pregnant because in theory, she's been pregnant before she knows what it is. And so believing that Carrie, that her pregnancy with Carrie was cancer. Oh, I think it was kind of like a, a denial, you know, like willing herself to, to not address the fact that she had sinned again and yeah. And that she was with child. Huge denial. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so, okay. I was intrigued about, you have to tell me in the, when she's having her freak out in the gym and then all the pads are being thrown, thrown at her. Mm-hmm. Does she make them in the original, the OG, like fly away from her? Like they do no. in the remake? No. Um, the only thing that she does, and I think this is in both of the the movie versions, is she explodes the light bulb in the ceiling. Okay. Yeah. So that happened. Yeah. And, and then- that was in the book also. And so it, at that point, it wasn't such an overt demonstration of like, oh, this girl has powers because the light bulb exploding could have happened for any number of reasons. They didn't necessarily know it was because of her, but for her to like explode items away from her body for no reason at all, like that's pretty obvious that there's something supernatural happening. Yeah. Okay. So that's something I, I didn't feel like was in the original or else I mm-hmm. would have remembered. Yeah, and then I, I noticed it in the remake. Also, I thought it was odd that the principal has a glass water cooler in oh, 2013. Yeah. That's not a thing. I thought that was yeah. like, really? Okay. I guess yeah. just for this movie, you mm-hmm. have to have this. But I thought that was odd. But you mentioned like... um social media and how it was like being used against her to pick on her when they filmed her in the, in the shower, Mm -hmm. in the locker room. But she also uses, uh, you know, Google, well, not Google because it's in the movie. I don't (laughs) know what they, it was something else. Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves. (laughs) She was using Alta Vista to Google, (laughs) to Google it, um, to search telekinesis. Yeah. And she used that and watched videos and got books. And so she used that technology to kind of like educate herself about like what she was like experiencing. So it wasn't like because in the original movie, she's like, what's happening to me? No idea. She researches it in the library in the original. She does. Okay. Yeah. And that's a different thing because in the book, she does not. There, she absolutely does not try to figure out what it is or at any point learn what it is. But in the original, she because she's actually in the library looking it up um, when uh, Tommy comes and asks her to the prom. Right. Okay. And yeah. Tommy, let's talk about him. Oh, sweet Tommy! With oh my god, his hair in the original—it okay. blows my mind. Twenty thirteen, Tommy. Ooh, a- way and better. Anson Eckhart. E- Eckhart. Who's he's in, in the, everything and is adorable. Uh, the fault in uh, in our stars. Fault in our stars, and he's in the um, the Divergent movies. I never watched those. But yeah, I watched. He did um, Goldfinch too. I haven't watched that either. Oh yeah, I've been in school a long time. I was, <laughs> I've been very busy. I've just been watching movies. <laughs> Katie's been watching movies. Yeah, I'm telling me like I've been watching all these things. Okay, so way hotter than oh, 70s yeah. Tommy. Yeah. Major Sorry. upgrade. Major upgrade. Also, I'm were really sweet. They were sweet, but I would also say 70s Tommy was probably like in his 30s when he made the movie. Oh, for sure. Aren't I they all? They all they were like adults <laughs> who were yeah. pretending to be teenagers. Yeah, and they're like, this is how you do it. <laughs> they're like, let's think about when we went to the. The sock hop back then. (laughs) We're pretending to be in high school. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Weird thing, though, in the original that it's just, I mean, it kind of makes sense with it being the 70s or I don't know. I'm speaking. I wasn't alive in the 70s. But he, um, Tommy kisses Carrie in the original, like at the prom. completely forgotten. Like in the, on the cheek or on the No, like a, a full on, we're on a date on the lips type thing. And it's like in the, in both of them, they make it pretty clear that Sue and Tommy are like a committed couple, like an exclusive mm-hmm. couple. Yeah. Um, but, and so in, in the remake, it's very much like he's taking her as a friend. Like Sue doesn't want to go. I'm going to take you as a friend. Like there's no, but in the original, it's almost like there's this ambiguity of like, oh, but I mean, maybe he's interested in Carrie too. And maybe they're swingers and who knows? And he like, there's this, <laughs> it's actually this horrible, horrible shot that they do of them on the dance floor. And so you've got Tommy's like, tight blonde curl helmet mullet awful hair and and carrie and they're dancing and the camera angle they used was an upward angle like from maybe waist level aimed up at their face and it's spinning around them 
Mm-hmm. It starts, you know, going kind of slowly and then it picks up speed and picks up speed. And it's probably a two to three minute shot spinning like that. And it was like, people got sick watching Blair Witch Project in the theaters. Like, I wonder what people were experiencing <laughs> seeing that scene. They're the- already terrified from the shower season see- yeah. scene and then mama <laughs> acting like a crazy person and then spinning the camera around. Yeah, so they're just, just like, vomiting everywhere. <laughs> the ultimate movie going yeah. experience. But yeah, and so in the middle of that dance, Tommy kisses her like it's a full on mouth, romantic, long, open kiss or whatever. Like and we're there's together no now for it at all. Yeah. Like, oh, you're, now you're going to get married. Like, well, is it like, was it, was he just maybe caught up in the moment? Is that what the, you know, maybe. the director is trying to like convey? Uh, Although Brian De Palma, does he really, no, is that? No, I was just going to say, I think that that, <laughs> that alludes to more depth and of thought in their experience than was actually taking place. I think it was just kind of like, well, they've got a kiss. So at what point in the dance do they kiss? Now you kiss. Yeah. (laughs) Time to kiss again. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Okay. So yeah. Remake Tommy much prefer over seventies Tommy. I mean, all of our four listeners, if you know, Tommy, OG Tommy's age. And if I'm wrong, you can correct me. I can. Oh, okay. how, how old he was in the movie? Oh, I can look that up right now. Check it out. Look it I up. Tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Okay, 1976. So Tommy Ross was played by William Catt, K-A-T-T, um, of fame. Let's see, what else was he in? Yeah, nothing, nothing to write home about. But so let's see, he was born in 51, and it was made in 76, so he was 25. Okay, not in his 30s, but definitely not a teenager. Yeah. Yeah, too old. <laughs> okay, so also, this is something I wanted to mention, and I think it's kind of funny. So I've re- I've seen the OG Carrie many times, and then I've only seen the remake twice. But I find myself having the same feelings. Like, even though I know I read the book a million years ago, I've seen the movie. I always am hoping that Sue's going to stop it all. I'm like, oh, like I'm like ready for. I'm like, oh, maybe if she could just get there in time, she can stop it all. She's gonna do it. She can see the rope. I don't even know. It's like I know how it ends, but yet I'm in denial that that is what happens. Yeah. Then when she goes cuckoo or Carrie, you know, Mm -hmm. the pig's blood is thrown on her. I want her. I get like a satisfaction, or like I'm like, yes, get those bullies. But then obviously they're being murdered, which is horrible. But then I know it's not real. I don't know. I feel I always feel a little bit kind of kerfuffled when I'm watching it. Yeah, a lot of conflicting emotions in that. Definitely. Scene. And I mean, and that's evidence of a good story because they've created enough depth of character for multiple characters that you're seeing the the conflict in each experience and how they're interacting. And that's something that you it's obvious why they made the change, because in the book, Sue doesn't go to the prom. She's at home the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Um, But in both movies, they have her find out that something bad is going to happen and rush off to the prom to try and stop it. And so introducing her into that scene created that extra level of like conflict and tension and those like slow-mo moments of like her trying to dive to stop the bucket from being tipped and the gym teacher seeing her and thinking that she's in on the prank and trying to Mm -hmm. stop her. Like all of that tension, you know, it makes sense why they would have made that change for the movies. Yeah, it does. And I don't know. I always feel obviously it's like I don't want teenagers to be murdered. I also know it's fiction, but also I know what's going to happen in the end. So I don't know where my brain is. I'm always like it's one of those movies that always catches me off guard in some way where I'm like, whoa. And I think, well, obviously, Stephen King's the the content, the original like story is I mean he's the master so he, he always can make riveting compelling sympathetic characters and stories and right yeah well that's I thought was interesting when I um I was looking up the directors because you know we've talked a couple of times about how weird it is that Brian De Palma did the original. Well, I looked up the the director of the 2013 version um, and it's an, a woman named Kimberly Pierce. So that first like jumped out at me. I'm like, oh, female director. You don't see a lot of those. She mm-hmm. was actually the director of Boys Don't Cry. 
Oh, and I was wow. like, oh, damn, girl. Like, <laughs> that's, you know, like that, that I have a lot of respect for her for, you know, that project. And so that kind of gives you, you know, like what, what a female director would bring to this story as opposed to a male director. What's and the um, table? Mm-hmm. when I was looking up, um, I can't remember what it was I was looking up about the movie or um, the adaptation or anything, but um, I read a quote that Stephen King gave in an interview one time re- response to uh, De Palma's version. And he it wasn't that he was uh, critiquing the movie at all, but he did um, kind of identify that uh, he, in writing the book, he was really trying to dive into a female experience. And he talks about, um, you know, his, the influence of his wife and the the kind of the assistance. Um, and because Tabitha, Stephen King's wife, Tabitha, is the reason that Carrie got published in the first place. Like she she really pushed him to finish it and polish it and submit it. And and that's, you know, it was his first it was his first published novel. So that started everything. Um, and so I feel like for him, it was a really kind of an, him trying to explore this female experience um, from a perspective of like, I know nothing about this. And so he was he was kind of just respectfully uh, stating that what Brian De Palma presented didn't necessarily have that um I don't know, that same compassion. Like missed it, <laughs> missed the mark maybe a bit. Yeah, yeah. It focused on the horror um, and a little less on the, the tragedy of what, th- what she went through. I think that also it's, that was kind of a new thing for, I, don't, I mean, I could be completely wrong about this, but for like men to try to find out what the female experience was, yeah, you know, for that specifically for like Carrie, her having her first period, it seems like maybe it was a kind of new unknown territory for a man to kind of be like, I would like to know about that. (laughs) Yeah. I want to tell her story. (laughs) I know. Well, okay. So, and I think you brought up the word sympathetic. That's the word I couldn't think about, or I couldn't like come up with for, her mom for mama like Mm -hmm. i because she made that character sympathetic and it was just julianne moore who did it yeah and probably the director too because you mentioned it was a completely different you know coming from being a female director boys don't cry probably like more context for why she is the way she is Mm -hmm. and how she has her own struggles like her mom uh self-harming in the dry cleaner oh i forgot about that that was an amazing addition to the character for the remake and it made like it provided so much context for like just who exactly she is and how she treats people and then herself how she treats herself like self self flagellation yeah hitting herself on the head Dodging um, her leg with a seam Dodging her leg. And Carrie's just trying to not set her off and to try to make sure she's okay. And she's like taking care of her mother. And I think that it's like she maybe felt, I don't know. I feel like in the remake, she probably was more, I, it ended the same way we know. Yeah. But probably more safe than OG Carrie was in that house. I don't know. I just feel like maybe it was a slightly different experience with her caring for her mother in that way. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah, maybe the, the remake Carrie had a little bit of a caretaker role for her mom that kind of comes about when you have a parent with mental illness. And that's the, the characterization of being a religious zealot from just the one dimensional, she, she's a nut in the original mm-hmm. to in the remake. She, well, she's, she's a fervent Christian, but she clearly also has some other organic condition that is making, you know, her religion actually become this problem, you know, yeah. in their household and in her life. Yeah. Because when you watch the original, you're like, why is she like this? And the remake, it provides some more insight, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Than, and Julianne Moore, of course, is amazing and horrifying and sympathetic. Yeah. Uh, so. 
Well, that's a, the the whole um, having a female director for that one too, because you know, for being a female story, you have you know Carrie's experience as a young woman, the first period, the bullying, all of that. You have the mama's experience and everything, but the mother daughter relationship, like that's one of the meatiest topics you could possibly you know dive into in terms of mm-hmm. like interpersonal relationships, like every woman and her mother and her daughter, like those relationships are intense and dramatic and complicated and and varied. And I feel like you see more of that in the remake than the original, because it's not in the original, she's just being oppressed. There's not as mm-hmm. much complexity. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's possibly just because the, the mother just wasn't such a deep character. So I'm going to touch back on this because I would like your opinion, but I also forgot in the original, since it's been so long for me, because I thought I had recently watched it, like I mentioned before we started recording, I thought I'd recently watched it, but it's pre-pandemic and it's been a year that we've yeah. been in this pandemic. So it's obviously been longer. Okay. The bucket pours blood onto Carrie mm-hmm. and Tommy's standing next to her in the OG remake. Yeah. Does he get killed or just knocked out? Um, in, uh, cause I couldn't, I don't, I thought you would they don't, probably. Yeah. It's not uh, super clear, um, in either of the movies, you know, he's clearly, he's knocked unconscious and whether or not he is knocked unconscious to the point where brain hemorrhage killed him, or he's just knocked unconscious to the point where he stays there and burns with the rest of the building. Um, I think in the book, they specify that the bucket hitting him in the head does kill him. In the remake, he was knocked out. Evident, his eyes were like open. Like okay, so he wasn't dead. completely unconscious, or oh, he was completely dead in the original or in the remake. I feel like he was. Yeah, and I could be mistaken, but I was like, oh, I thought because in the uh, original, it was like, oh, he was just knocked out, and then she was like, ah, like went, yeah, you know, we know what happened. Yeah, but then <laughs> I think he died from the bucket, and then I think that she like had felt like she maybe had a friend finally and yeah. in that moment and he was just being so nice to her and then she's like that was the trigger yeah I, I mean maybe it was the pig's blood obviously it was but I mean I feel like it was that moment of him getting knocked and then killed that yeah really made her go over the edge and like lose it yeah. in the remake well and especially because in both of them after immediately after it happens before the bucket falls Tommy like yells he's like what the hell like he's angry that they've done that to her and so that you know well, at least would reaffirm for her that he wasn't in on the prank the whole time because that naturally that would have been a suspicion yeah he know, was like that, furious and then he yeah. gets knocked and killed I yeah. think he got killed and yeah. it was awful poor Tommy okay. So, I mean, I think one more question I had was who raised her mother? Like, how did she get like this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, who are, where did this come from? I got to know. <laughs> I have to know. But I, I guess my, I'm going to circle back to that question I would ask, ask you. And um, would you say you preferred the remake, like, as a story? Okay. Okay. Because Sissy Spacek is obviously amazing. Yeah. And I preferred her performance to Chloe Grace Moretz. To Chloe, yeah. yeah. But I loved her. Mo- I loved Julianne's more yeah. performance over her m- one-dimensional original. Mother. Yeah, original. I hundred percent agree. You have a stronger Carrie character in the original, and you have a stronger performance for Mama in the remake. Yeah, but um, you know, in terms of just being enjoyable, it's not often, I think that I'm in the mood to watch it just what we're used to now in terms of entertainment, older movies are slower paced and older horror that was more based on the building of suspense was especially slower paced. Mm-hmm. And so you, ha- for me, I have to be in a particular mood to want to sit down and, and it's, there's a lot of waiting. And if it's a movie you've already seen, the waiting feels a little bit redundant. You're like, I know what's going to happen. Why am I sitting around here waiting for it to happen? And so in that way, 
I like the remake because it has the rhythm that I'm more comfortable with in terms of modern movies. But mm-hmm. I still, I feel like the the original is a classic and a necessary um, education. But just in terms of like entertainment and popping on a movie that you've already seen, I would probably pick the remake. Okay. Yeah. I think, yeah, I don't know. I would probably watch the remake again. I mean, excuse me, the original again. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say it's October, a month I love to rewatch, <laughs> re-watch. all my faves. Yep. And you talk about slow burn movies. Like, I rewatch Rosemary's Baby every few years. I was years. just watching that last night. I mean, slow it's burn. One of my favorites. I mean, it's amazing. And Ruth Gordon, oh, like, God. the performance of yeah. the century. But Well, anyway. and I've also really been in the, Have you been watching um, the uh, Alan versus Pharaoh I have not started it. It's one of those things where I, I grew up loving his movies, so uh-huh. I know. And then I, knowing this, I know he's like a bad guy, not a good person, like yeah. at all. So it's I'll tackle it for sure. Yeah, but I haven't it's really, really I haven't well jumped, <laughs> jumped yeah. in quite yet. I don't know. You have to be in a real self harming mood to take. Yeah, I'm like you know. Let's just let's just do it. <laughs> Yeah, but that that definitely got okay. me in the mood for Rosemary's Baby, listening yes. to Mia Farrow's interviews. I love Mia Farrow. But like I would I rewatch those movies in, you know, Halloween, fall, mm-hmm. Halloween time. Yeah. I would rewatch the original over this the remake, even yeah. though I feel like the remake went more in depth and had better storytelling a little mm-hmm. bit in some yeah. ways as far as character development, understanding like motivation, context, and yeah. other stuff. And not just like, oh, scary, horror, crazy lady. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's something that I've noticed um, is a kind of a common theme in a lot of Stephen King remake movies. They almost across the board guarantee are truer to the book than the original. Because Mm -hmm. when, um, you know, I'm sure one of these days we're going to dive into it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I won't, you know, dedicate any time to that. But that's an example of the the amount of actual literal uh, scenes and details um, taken directly from the book. There's so many more in the remake than there was in the original miniseries. Which is so surprising because it's a mini series like yeah. hours and hours long well no because truly ABC. Series is, is only without commercials was only 90 minutes and so really? since, yeah and so since the um the remake was two full-length movies it was actually more film time okay well then that makes sense that it, they would have be able to go into it more like yeah give- but there's just it's like a choice to to use his storytelling more closely where, and maybe that's because of the credibility his, as an author he has now versus when some of these that was like, Oh, we're just taking this story out of this random book by this guy and we're going to use it. And we're going to make our movie where now it's like, it's Stephen King. And so they want to reach more into his specific details and stories and use those rather than just kind of taking his overarching story and making it their own. I think also maybe back when they, these original movies were made, it's more about scares. How many scares can we have versus the horror genre? now it's like more deeper storytelling a lot. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and building a universe and like we were, kind of briefly yeah. earlier like franchise versus franchises <laughs> and it all circles around it all circles. to the franchise versus the and we still don't have an answer <laughs> i don't know it's something we can work on yeah well yeah. maybe we'll we'll, okay. we'll um pick some other people's brains about it see if we can get inspiration on it maybe and... one of our four listeners can tell us what you think about yeah. it <laughs> you'd be thrilled um so, yeah, I think that the one other thing, you know, that I had to share would be our, our youth angle. Um, yeah. And that, you Katie's know, Katie's recommendation, my kid corner, horror movie, kid corner um, for scarring your children. 
Possibly. <laughs> if you're interested in scarring your children, here's how yes. you do it. My daughter actually just turned 12 two days ago. And since she was mm-hmm. very small, she was very interested in scary movies. And so I had to work very hard to find movies that I thought were a, the appropriate level of scary so that it wouldn't actually like keep her up at night or permanently scar her, but that she would perceive it to be spooky or frightening, but then also movies that didn't have age inappropriate content in terms of violence or nudity or sex scenes, which is, uh, you know, rampant in in horror movies and so I would say for the last I would go as far as say the last six years I've been like on this journey with her of like taking her through horror uh, like horror movie worlds and because I have you know this huge horror movie dvd collection and all of my favorites and everything and as she gets older and you know new things become acceptable um and also so many of these movies that I'm extremely familiar with I know like okay well I'm gonna pause it here you cover your eyes I'm gonna fast forward and then we'll resume which she hates actually if I tell her that we can watch a movie but I'll have to skip a bunch of scenes she's like I'd rather not watch it yeah you're like you're like a um, I'm a sensor. <laughs> yeah, you're the sensor. I'm the sensor. So you're curating. You're your horror movie curator. Oh, curating. So um uh, I had asked her if she wanted to um, participate in the screening of Carrie's. Um, she had not seen either of them. Um and I showed her, normally I feel very strongly about watching as my children for them. They need to see the original of something before I want them to see the remake. That's just kind of generally horror movies side. I, I feel that that's the way it's supposed to be done. Um, in this case, I had a 48 hour rental on the remake. And so I was like, hey, let's watch this. So she actually watched the remake first. Um, and like, I don't want to spend three dollars again i'm not gonna rent this, this twice for i mean i'm not like some kind of chump or something okay <laughs> who am i okay. rockefeller i know <laughs> um and so but i you know i own the original on dvd and so after we watched the remake and then i was like okay don't get up stay there and i put the dvd of the original in and i started it at the um just at the prom scene so right when carrie the her win has been announced and she's walking up onto the stage so she could just kind of have the comparison of that prom scene moment and then the the notorious like it's the most infamous infamous. yes um uh, although i did i i should make a correction. I didn't start with that because I tried to find the scene where she says, they're all going to laugh at you. Mm-hmm. Because um, we like years ago, my husband and I played for our kids, the Adam Sandler comedy bit. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen that one? No. Uh-uh. Or it's actually heard it. It's from one of his CDs. So it's just an audio. Yeah. Um, but it's basically his family. There's a family around the, the dinner table and there's multiple children. And one of them, you can tell by the voice is David Spade. I don't recognize all of them. And they're all just having this nice little family conversation of like, oh yeah, you know, how was school today? Oh my gosh, I'm going to go to the football game with so many, you know, hey mom, you know, is it okay if I go to the, the ice cream shop after dinner tonight with so-and-so? No, they're all going to laugh at you. <laughs> it's just Adam Sandler screaming <laughs> Every time they ask them, and they're like, Mom, it's fine. Nobody's going to laugh at me. I'm going to go meet Bobby at the yogurt shop. And no, no. And so our kids had heard that bit. And so I'm like, but she, my daughter thought that that was like an exaggeration. And I'm like, no, that is exactly what she sounds like when she delivers the line in the movie. I'm even but, hearing it in my head as you're saying it. Like I can hear it. And on my DVD, that's what's under the menu. When you mm-hmm. put in the DVD and it's it's waiting for you to hit play or select chapter or audio options, it's uh-huh. just the mom saying that over and over oh again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's amazing. So you didn't even have to show that scene. You're yeah. like, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, here. Do you hear that? <laughs> you can tell. It's real. Um, so yeah, then I just, she watched the, the end of the original and, um, before we got on tonight, you know, I asked her, uh, if she had any thoughts, you know, to impart on it. And she's like, Oh, I don't know. And I said, well, did you think it was scary? And, um, she said that, uh, no, because of everything else I've let her watch. <laughs> so in comparison, <laughs> you to just all the num- other- you've numbed her. I have numbed to her. The horror. 
Yeah. Possibility. Honestly, when the kids were little, uh, you know, I, I was kind of obnoxious about it. Um, I, I remember ha- having them watch the birds and um, trying to make them understand why that movie scared people when it came out. Because the it's you can't even call it special effects. It's literally just birds on wires know, on, and then birds. Yeah, yeah, like styrofoam birds on wires. And you then can real see birds. wires and, and you know, Tippy Hedren screaming and putting her hands up. Yeah. And front and so we I would like kind of talk to them about the idea of the building the tension and drawing it out and nothing happens for a really long time. And then, you know, there's a little bit here and a little bit here and it builds and builds and builds. And then you have this climax and that's what suspense and horror used to be. Um, And so because I, you know, harassed them with that when they were littler, I can refer back to it now with something like Carrie. I'm like, well, you know, this was older is when it was a a different style about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but she definitely has um, a different perception of of what movies actually scare her. She still says, so far, um, nothing has unthroned Babadook. That's still Babadook. her, get the scariest movie in her She's opinion. She's like, I'll never have children. Babadook <laughs> scared the crap out of me. Or read. <laughs> or read. Reading is for chumps. Or go to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't you be normal? <laughs> So yeah, she she didn't. Uh, a jaded twelve year old did not find this scary. Um, but did but she enjoy the storytelling? I think she did. She did like the the remake movie, um, okay. and and it kind of makes sense because she's a preteen, and it's a it's a teenage it's a teenager story. You know, so it's not an ex- a bunch of adults in some adult type experience. Like it's a school setting. It's it's peer interactions. It's something that is familiar and and interesting to her at this point in her life. And so she did definitely enjoy the remake. Um, in terms of like the the remake, there were no um, explicit scenes. Um, there there was like no nudity. They really, and very little. I don't even remember if there was any really swearing in it. So in terms of it being sanitized for showing a kid, the the remake is a safer way to go. Um, in the original, there is there's nudity, particularly in the opening shower scene. There's a lot of full frontal female nudity, which you know for a girl, it, why shouldn't she see that? That's what she's going to look like someday. Mm-hmm. But um, there is a point, and I was cracking up when I was rewatching the original. That um, so Billy, which is John Travolta's character, you know, the bad boy that mm-hmm. you know, kills the pig and, and buckets the blood and all, and then Chris, who is the girlfriend that um, Billy's girlfriend that is planning this whole prank on Carrie. There is a scene when they are in Billy's car, and I think it's when she's trying to convince him to produce this prank for her, mm-hmm. and she convincing him by going down on him. However, so we have John Travolta sitting behind the wheel in his hot rod or whatever, and we don't, you don't see anything except the upper part of his torso, but she's repeatedly saying his name very clearly. Hmm. Highly suspect. (laughs) Suspect. I'm like, what exactly is she doing down there then? She's blowing, like, blowing on there. Billy, Billy, because she says his name, I would say a dozen times at least. Oh, Billy, Billy, Billy. Billy, Billy. There's nothing in her mouth. Well, (laughs) maybe they think that's how... How that happens. <laughs> or that was, you know, for all we know, like that was a way of trying to get around some ratings restriction at that point of like, yeah. well, no, she wasn't performing any sexual acts because you can hear her very clearly speaking. Yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> they always try to like, there was a reason sometimes for like some something that you'd be like, that was weird, but yeah, then it doesn't make any sense. Getting around censors. Yeah, exactly. So um, that, you know, if I were to, show the original in entirety to a younger person that would be a scene that you you would have to tread lightly with and be like, you well, nothing's certainly- happening yeah, you can't see anything. If they're young enough, they can't even draw their own conclusions because they don't have the background the context knowledge. yeah to or, make an assumption. Yeah. Um, but you could also easily fast forward through that scene and they would not miss any key plot points that ruined the movie for them. I didn't even know what's happening. I missed the Billy, Billy, Billy part and I have no idea. Wait, where did this pig's blood come from? I'm just shocked. Shocked by this whole prank. Well, I think good podcast. We've been talking 
Great conversation. Um, we've brought up all of our good, I mean, thoughts. our thoughts about the OG and <laughs> remake. Yeah. And we have our recommendation. So if you have a small, impressionable child that you would like to show this movie to, Katie says. Yeah. For a 12 year old. I would say a uh, minimum 10. Men and, ten. and they have to have some sort of um, foundation in scary movies. Okay. They have to have at least seen Babadook. Gremlins. <laughs> Babadook or Gremlins. <laughs> oh, but warning about Gremlins. If they believe in Santa, they can't watch. Oh, yeah. See, you have to have the whole conversation. It's a whole thing. It's just, a whole thing. Just read, uh, what's that website? Cop. Common sense or something? Oh yeah, common sense media. No, I I would use about that gremlins a I mean. lot. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, there's no they don't put that on common sense media. They don't warn you about Santa. Write them a nasty Santa. letter. I will. But like, I you will crush crush yeah. my children's dreams. Another good resource for that though is because IMDb actually has a parental. Um, there's a little on every movie. There's a, a spot on the page that has parental viewings, and it's like it's it's much less specific than common sense media. It's like five or six categories, and so there's like you know profanity, um, you know sex and nudity, uh, drugs and alcohol use, frightening and intense scenes. Like there's those generic categories, and there it, and it's ranked like mild, moderate, or severe. Um, but that can be helpful too. Mm-hmm. All right. yeah, for those that listen, of our four listeners that want to scar their children. Yeah. I mean, they could maybe all want to, but, you know, who, who am I to judge? Yeah. Right? I okay. certainly can't. <laughs> well, thank you for our three listeners who joined us. Wait, who left? It was Everybody, four. Somebody three. bailed. <laughs> Somebody left. <laughs> halfway, I didn't want to tell you that they left. So oh, they're, they're this, they, they, you know, turned it off. So something I said. <laughs> I mean, definitely something I said, probably. Yeah. Is when but. we started talking about uh, female feelings. Yeah, they're like, periods, I'm out. Goodbye. I'm out. <laughs> Goodbye. I think she said tampons. Bye. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm Meredith. I'm Katie. And this is... I'm not scared. You're scared. You're scared. Bye. You're scared. Bye. Bye. Bye.